The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Okay, so today we're here with Mr. James Thorrington. Um, Thorrington's a brand new friend of mine. Brand new, fresh, fresh out of the batch. We just uh, we just planned this. I'd say about three weeks ago. Um, I met James through mutual friends over in New Zealand. So this is exciting because it's kind of just like this is a great opportunity just to get to know each other. And it's getting recorded, so it's a little awkward at first, but I'm sure we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll power through I'm it. I'm so first. awkward right now. I'm I'm shaking and I'm blushing. <laughs> uh, I actually I cried a little bit before this started, but oh baby, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is a fresh one. Yeah, but um, th- this this episode's more special and uh, exciting to me is because this is mainly um tailored for talking about james latest ep coming out and we're going to be premiering a song probably in the middle of this um but i want to get into just um the backstory of how all this music started like even before you started making the ep Mm -hmm. um like when you were growing up how did you dive into music was it family members was it just out of interest was it someone at school yeah well um i would say it's definitely family uh i mean i feel like regardless of my family it would have i would have uh loved it just as much anyway but it was definitely very easy for me to start to love it with the family i have uh because my mom was a a high school music teacher at mangari college for for years and uh, she's a she's a good musician, and my dad's a classical guitarist. Uh, even though he'd probably be very embarrassed for me to say that because he hates like playing to people and stuff, but he's great. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother got the music bug as well. He's ten times as good of a musician than I am. Um, so yeah, it was kind of inevitable, I guess, that I would I would grow to love music. That's awesome. No, I can I can hear it, man there's just certain people's music you listen to and you can tell if it they just dove into it randomly and they just um learned yeah as they went but with your music there's just so much technicality to it uh, there's just no way it's all just... it's all a fake it's all a lie it's all a joke <laughs> but I, i'm i'm glad it comes across that way because that's the sort of music i like listening to a lot of the time so that's cool yeah it's to kind of describe your sound to people if they haven't checked you out yet, um, for me, like my first impression, it was really cool because it's like disco music meets neo soul meets like hip hop inspired drums, mm-hmm. but also like these really like colorful palettes of like not indie rock because some people might confuse that as like the wrong thing i'm trying to say here but it's just got that classical feel of like that indie sound from not this era but like classic rock and yeah 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 it's just i don't know it's super pretty but it's such a cool blend and i haven't really heard them all come together like that until i heard your music and it was super exciting to me as a producer just hearing it because I nerd out over that shit 
And, Me um, too. So to, yeah. to hear that that's how it's perceived is great because uh, I don't know. I, I kind of just like make whatever I'm making and hope that that's the sort of way people hear it. You can't guarantee that, but yeah, that's great. That's a, a exactly how I'd want someone to describe my music. So that's awesome, man. I'm glad. And like, um, would you, what's the first instrument that you really dove into and kind of fell in love with? Um. It's tricky. The, the, the first instrument I learned to play properly was guitar, but that didn't mm-hmm. last long because I definitely had a very deep, like instinctive uh, pull towards like the drums and just anything, anything rhythmic. Um, you know, like I remember um, would take trips to the Auckland Museum with my mum and like my grandma and my brother and stuff. And they had this room where there would be like one conga drum. And that was like the spot in the whole museum for me when I was like four years old or whatever, maybe even younger. And I'd just play and play and play. And I'd always drum on the table, which would piss everyone off. Um, it was like really natural. It was never thought about. It was just like, that was the thing. And um, my dad set me up with a guitar lesson one time. Uh, with this guy called Nick Morgan, who ended up shaping me as a musician heavily. But I showed up to the guitar lesson and he had a, a drum kit in the room. And by like the third guitar lesson, I'd asked to play the drum kit. And I was just naturally way better at drumming without any lessons than I was after like three or four guitar lessons. So I kind of knew straight away that that's where I should be sitting and that's the place for me to be. I could tell when I listen to your music that the drums come from instinct and feel. Um, oh, cool, cool. Yeah, because you have really, um, really good sense of rhythm. I don't know. That sounds, God, that sen- that sentence didn't come off as cool as I thought it would be. But no, <laughs> that seriously. was a cool sentence, man. That's one of the, <laughs> in fact, that's probably the coolest sentence in this podcast so I was, far. I, I was trying to find a way to make it sound like a a more detailed way of describing your rhythm and i was just like yeah you got a great sense of rhythm dude Dude, that's a cool uh, that's a cool sentence (laughs) no but see that's the i could tell right away when i listened to your music was uh you were a drummer at heart um because there's just so much layers to and the sound of the drums is very specific too like i could tell you put a lot of time into the mixing of that yeah well with this latest ep uh, I appreciate that. First of all, that's nice to hear. Um, but with, with this latest EP, I got to say, all, all of the most of the drum ideas, you know, come from that instinct. But um, I started working with Yuki uh, mm-hmm. towards like the last, I'd say, like twenty percent mark of getting this EP finished, and he kind of took the drum patterns that I'd come up with and stuff on my shitty preset drum things that i would have on my laptop Mm. and um he would just make them sound so much better so although i have that instinct that i'm glad gets communicated um properly through the music i gotta say it on this new new stuff it would sound like nowhere near as good as it does if it wasn't for yuki coming in and like changing changing just the sounds and making sure that those ideas i have in my head come out the way i'm actually hearing them you know as opposed to mm-hmm. like fiddling for second best so bit of credit goes to him there for sure yeah he's he's saved my ass so many times when i'm <laughs> stuck on such a simple idea and then he'll just he'll say something that's so obvious and i just would have never thought it yeah and, totally um, he's yeah, he's he, had a huge influence on me as a producer recently yeah so. he he's a great person to have playing as like the executive producer role and especially like um your guy's sound as well i think is a very very like great uh it's very complimentary yeah i agree Um, and i'm sure the chemistry you guys have like actually being able to are you able to see each other in person like yeah yeah we've we've, we've come out quite a few times like we live uh probably like an hour and a half drive away so we don't okay. see each other that much but it's still doable and and we've hung out quite a few times yeah that i'm sure that helps a lot being able to communicate it 
in the same room too because absolutely yeah once someone's able to get hands on with something it's way better but um no and what like where did um like your influences when do you think those started like you started kind of finding certain artists that you're like oh this is kind of what i think if i was to make music this is kind of the route i'd want to go like for example for me this sounds super ridiculous but justin bieber was like that first moment where it was like oh wait i kind of like pop music even if people shit on this like i i like i like these big choruses that are just like stuck in your ear and that was my first thing where i was like oh i kind of would like to play around and make music so what do you think that first moment for you was black sabbath definitely black sabbath yeah uh and like metal um i remember because that's what my dad grew up listening to when he was really young and uh, we went on like a road trip once and he had the album paranoid by black sabbath and i the, the stuff we'd have in the car prior to that would be Beach Boys, um, the Doobie Brothers, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, just stuff like that, like just music that everyone can like. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I remember when he played Black Sabbath, it was like the first time I felt as though something musical was mine, you know, and that it was my thing and that mm-hmm. I could be that you know, I could have, cause I had long hair when I was younger and it was kind of tricky for me to like, cause there was no other people in my school with long hair or whatever as like a five-year-old long blonde hair. Um, so seeing like Ozzy Osbourne with his long hair, just being crazy, um, was nice. Although now that I look at it, I go, fuck, he's just a mess. <laughs> um, it, it was, it was nice, uh, to have that. And, yeah, just just the also the feeling when listening to a song like Iron Man off the Paranoid album, it was like this is a little bit weird and that makes it feel special to me, you know, it's not just an, another pop song. Um mm-hmm. which is yeah, I think that's probably the 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 when trying to break it down now with the older brain, that's probably why I was so drawn to it. And yeah, it it had such a huge huge effect on my life um but there was kind of two two different times that that happened the first one was the black sabbath one and then when i was like 15 the same thing happened again but with um two artists with prince and michael mcdonald from the doobie brothers okay so like yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's something you want to get into because it's kind of a long uh, story, but... No, I'm super, super down to hear it. That I'm just like you. Like, that kind of stuff is very special to me, so I love hearing other people's stories. Cool. Well, well, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, so there was Sabbath, and that was, like, as I said, that first feeling of, like, mm-hmm. music belonging to you. Um, so f- for the rest of my life, I always loved other sorts of music, always, Um but it, I was a metalhead from there on, like System of a Down, uh, you know, Black Sabbath, or, or just like Corn. Corn was a big one. I, I loved all of those bands so much. Um, and my parents would support me listening to it, you know, even though it was like Satan music. Um, and so I would, I was in like hard bands, hard rock bands, metal bands and stuff. And that's the sort of music I'd write. Uh, And then I don't really know why, but when I was like 15, something happened where I started to kind of uh, go off or not necessarily go off, but my brain went somewhere less heavy um, musically. And I started to really love uh, like Prince. Prince was like, all of a sudden it kind of made sense to me. And at the same time that I started liking Prince, um, he announced that he was coming to Auckland, so which was his first wow. ever New Zealand show. So me and my mum got tickets. And um, I had tickets to Prince. I was listening to a lot of Prince. And then I also came across 
through actually the Warren G song Regulate, which I love, I came across the song that was sampled for that, which is I Keep Forgetting by Michael McDonald. And through that, I started to really, really love Michael McDonald as well. And that's kind of like, you know, soul music and way more pop music than Black Sabbath, as was Prince. So I started to kind of appreciate what pop music was, as opposed to being that guy that's like, oh, man, like pop sucks. Rock and roll is where it's real. Um, And then I saw Prince and it blew my mind completely um it was the best thing i've ever seen and it was just him and a piano and then like a month or two months later he died which then made it even more profound that i had seen him and started to like him and then prince became everything to me musically um and so then all of a sudden everything just shifted you know of black sabbath being my only big like real big musical like thing to then prince being that let like you know 10 years later um and if it wasn't for that discovery of prince and michael mcdonald i wouldn't be making the sort of music i'm making now because what i'm making obviously doesn't sound like black sabbath (laughs) so no it's it's i'd love to hear you go into those roots eventually too that would be super interesting i've got some stuff there there's some stuff yeah i'm sure you have it in the vault because like (laughs) for for me um when i first started like i've always made more pop leaning songs yeah Um, but when i first started making music it was to the point of just terrible like just bland pop music it was before i like I started making music before I knew anything outside of what I was fed, basically. Mm-hmm. So mine was kind of like a reverse thing. Usually people like have all these um these uh artists they're super into and um they have a pretty well versed uh idea of what they like. But when I got into it it was just like I listened to what was on the radio and then like if I got lucky on Christmas I would get iTunes gift cards and that's the only opportunity I had to get my hands on music that I got to choose. Yeah. Um so the first stuff I got to choose was like Kanye and Taylor mm-hmm. Swift. Those are the first two things. Yeah. Um so I think that's really what happened for me. But the main point is like yeah I, I would love to hear you because usually people start at those roots and like you, it sounds like you did start there, but I'd yeah. love to hear songs come out and actually be in the form where we can listen that have that heavy side and see your interpretation of your sound with that heaviness. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Well, that's definitely something I've been trying to, you know, incorporate into my music. I've been trying to find a nice balance and, mm-hmm. um, in the second track of the three songs on this new EP, there's a song called Move Yourself Away. And it's kind of like a, it was mainly inspired by Grace Jones. It's very dance. Um, and there's a bit of Prince influence in there too. But in the chorus, it's kind of dark and heavy. And that is just straight up like corn and Nine Inch Nails influence. Um, so it's like really dark. And I don't know, some it might not sound like that to other people because it might not be what they're expecting it to be influenced by, but that's what mm-hmm. I hear in that bit. So it's kind of like, I feel like whenever I try to incorporate it, it doesn't take as obvious of, of a form that I would want, but it's it's still there. And, and the newer stuff I'm doing, because I've just started working on my first album as well, um, there's, some, there's some distorted guitars in there. There's some riffs. So um, yeah, it's... It's coming back a little bit. That the second song on the EP is my favorite thing. Oh, One good. of my favorite things I've heard this year, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> you must have heard some up- awful music this year. <laughs> nah, dude. I I'll tell you a story of my introduction to that song. So, um, it was uh, probably two days ago. Yeah. You sent me the EP. And 
two days ago, I've been having health issues. And two days ago was the first day I felt like my body was like, you know what, you could actually leave the house today and maybe go on a drive, listen to some music. Mm -hmm. So I was like, sweet. All right. I'm going to listen to what he just sent me. And um, second song came on and I was like, holy shit, this is like all my favorite stuff combined because um, I'm sh- I'm sure this is the Nine Inch Nails influence. Like there was like these tiny bits of industrial like yes. aspects yeah. to it. Yeah. And I heard that and I've been recently getting more into that side of music of like industrial sounds and trying yeah. to get dive into it more but um i was listening to i was like oh my god is he about to do this to me is this gonna be like one of those songs that just scratches every itch and then it gets into i don't know if it's a chorus bit or not but it gets into these really pretty bits with the chords i hope i'm not Uh, yeah i can't yeah yeah, i I guess that's the bridge it was originally the chorus but uh yeah yeah, it's the bridge oh my gosh and that part got me so Good. If you're listening to this once, um, once the EP's out, track two, that that one blew me away, and I, I, I think I could hear the um, the Prince influence in the bass lines a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I had listened to um, uh, I forgot the other Grace Jones song, but the my, one of my favorite Grace Jones songs is "My Jamaican Guy," and it's it's very. I mean, it's it's not that simple, but it's simple for how it sounds, and because it sounds so it's so much. Um, but I was like, man, something kind of repetitive like that, and a very hooky bassline with like very groove driven would be a cool way to start. Um, and yeah, I mean, Grace Jones kind of just like kicked that off, and um, yeah, the bassline's a big part of that song, so. Uh, it's and i i love how um it's like the it's not the first verse i think it's the second verse you add that really heavy distorted bass sound in there yeah yeah Th- that pops through oh my gosh that's yeah that's so the that, that was sold um, me. that was that's corn influence because i was like and, and when i say it's corn influence it's still all the other influences too but that's like the one in the spotlight and uh, the thing I like about Corn is it's just kind of like it's just stupid how heavy it is. Like it's just it's stupid because it's so like the guitars are tuned so low that it's like why would you even go down there? But they go down there, and it sounds it sounds like Satan, <laughs> and it's like it's kind of cool um, the sound that is, and like it's just. Uh, I, I was just like, man, I want something like low, like, like in terms of pitch, like, you know, low and heavy over these like kind of dance drums. It's basically just me going like, uh, I want to hear corn right now, but I also want to hear Grace Jones. Like, what the hell do I do? Uh, okay, I'll just try and do both. And then it comes out however it comes out. That's awesome. I It's I was super impressed by it, and I've I've listened to it. Pro, I I listened to it back to back that day, and then I think I threw it on again yesterday, mm-hmm. and it still gave me that same effect. I was like, "This is ridiculous, man!" Well, and it, and it inspired me to go make music after that. I was like, "I need to make something." I'm feeling the creative juice coming in. That's but, the uh, best thing. That's really nice for me to hear. So thank you for saying that. Of course, man. No, I'm super, as I was saying before, um, when we just hopped on a call before we set up the recording and stuff, even if we don't know each other very well, recently you've been inspiring me a lot to just kind of try a little bit harder. Like I'm always giving it a hundred percent, but on my, the thing for music for me is, um, I did, I'm not talented. Like some people are talented and gifted and then some people have to learn as they go. And I'm not talented or gifted. Like when I first started music, there was zero, it just wasn't right. (laughs) Like it just didn't click with me, but I wanted it to click. So I just kept, kept doing it. So 
if that's true, true like, by the way that because i don't think that is true but if, if that's true you got to give yourself heaps of credit because to be able to make what you're making with apparently no talent that's crazy because if it's you, just man. like i don't even know where that comes from then because it certainly sounds like there's talent there and a lot of it Thank so you. that's crazy but no, sorry go on it's it's so basically like um how it all started was i started my mom would give me lunch money uh when i was in high school i was probably i was 17 when i was like all right i kind of want to get my own equipment to record mm -hmm. so she would give me like lunch money for the week and i was like okay I can eat my friend's lunch because he always gets extras and he's my, he's like my best friend. He'll give me extras. So I was saving the lunch money and I was pocketing it so I could buy a interface and a mic for my computer. Then I started making music on GarageBand. And as I said before, like I was just making what I was fed. So it was like super pop. I sounded like someone trying to be Post Malone and Travis Scott, but just very very out of key <laughs> even though i had auto tune on i just didn't know how to set it to the right key yeah <laughs> but um so that was kind of like how it started and then i've noticed the process with me was like each album was like a stepping stone and kind of figuring out like oh this is this is how that works and let's not do that again let's this is what not to do and this is what to do so on my last album it was the first time or like my latest album, it was the first time I was like, okay, this is like, there's stuff I want to improve on, but it's to the point where it seems like these are actual ideas now, and I can kind of, I can put ideas down and get them into a full thing. That's what it felt like. So mm -hmm. now with my new stuff, the reason you've been inspiring me is like, okay, I can't get lazy and just do the same formula I was doing on the last stuff. I still have to go 100%. And now I've just been challenging myself to like try and make like a tricky bridge where the, you know, the chords get a little bit more uncomfortable for me, where usually I would maybe just switch up the chords that were in the whole song for the bridge. And I just, you know, play some differently. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you've been inspiring me a lot and in just ways that might not even be noticeable, but no, it's super, super cool what you're doing. And, Again, like I'm a huge nerd for this stuff. So when I hear your music and hear the little intricate details that not maybe not everybody would notice, um, it just makes me want to go a little bit harder. So, well, yeah. although I don't feel worthy of being that guy, uh, I'm I'm very happy that I am that guy <laughs> to you because I have plenty of those people in my life, heaps of them. Um, you know, like first of all, all the friends I work with and don't work with all of just the music friends of mine. I feel that way about them, you know, in one way or another, they all, they all drive me, you know, and like make me want to do, do a little bit better. Um, even if it's not musically, but somehow that still has an effect on the music, you know? Um, yeah. But like, uh, I've just been really lucky to, especially with like playing in bands and doing shows and stuff to be surrounded by people who um for for one thing are just really 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 good at playing you know and like like really good and that that's had a huge thing on me because it's like i i feel obliged to be as good as i possibly can at playing stuff you know and then and because i see these people who are working so hard you know to be able to play gigs and keep making money from gigs and stuff in in Auckland and like it's just so inspiring and and you know a lot of those people have just really great musical knowledge to you know um and that stuff inspires me a lot and it's i don't think it's necessary at all because i don't have very great musical knowledge like theoretically um mm -hmm. and i still happen to create what i want to create so it's certainly not necessary at all but you know, when you have those people around you, it's really inspiring because it's just like, man, like they, they have these keys to unlock these doors that I don't have. And it would be great to be able to unlock these doors because then it would just make everything a little easier. It seems, um, 
you know, I'm not sure if, if he would be cool with me mentioning his name. So maybe we could beep it out after I get his permission. But um, my friend Will Goodenson, who's a, a bass player and just an all-round great musician, he's one of those people. He'd probably feel embarrassed me saying it, but like every time, because we, we've played in, in some bands together and stuff, like we've done some, played in some rock bands and some like jazz stuff together. And he he's one of those people that when you're just talking to him about music, you, you just feel like he just sees it in a deeper way than you do. And um, it's just cool. <laughs> and, and he has had a way bigger effect on me musically than he knows because playing with him has made me feel like it's important for me personally to be a better musician. And um, a lot of the stuff I wrote for that EP, I was thinking about that, thinking about how can I make this like have a little more depth than what I would usually do, or maybe just be a little more deliberate musically. And um, yeah, man, like, being surrounded by him and, and other people like him, you know, uh, it's, it's like, and even my brother who I have in my house, he is a way better musician than me. He, he understands music better than I do. The only difference is he just doesn't make it as much as I do. And so, so I've got lots of people feeding me knowledge around me all the time, you know, and it's, it's, it's so cool. So point being, I know how it feels to have those people and I'm certainly, don't, I certainly don't feel like one of those people, but I'm, I'm really glad that in some way or another, what I'm making can make you want to make something too, you know? Yeah, man. It's like, I'd say, it's like you were saying, there's just certain people like you and Yuki are the people right now that every time I hear your stuff, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is, these are people like just normal people walking around with these ideas in their head that they just lay down and i'm sure it's not easy of like we hear songs and we think it we're like oh damn they just made that but we don't we always forget like this could have taken months to make but um it's just every time i hear you guys stuff lately i'm just like holy shit i just can't believe like i even this isn't even me trying to be i don't know i hope when people listen to this podcast they know one if i have an artist on it's because i truly genuinely admire them so when i say this like it's coming from the heart and i don't want to just sound like i'm gassing you up or anything but um basically just when i hear your guys stuff i i'm just like i can't believe i have the opportunity to see this musical side of them but then i get to just have conversations with them because you never know when someone's just going to get that big break Mm-hmm. and your guys music is at that level where it's ready in my opinion like <laughs> if someone just popped the can and it just happened like i think your music is ready um i'm gonna get the big scared. break onto the top 100 worst songs of the century <laughs> get that anthony fantano uh not good <laughs> yeah uh, so yes Lannel. yes there is a big break coming <laughs> yeah yeah no nah, i i always like do you watch Fantano a lot or do you stay away from critics? From, from time to time. Sometimes I'm afraid to because I don't I don't want, you know, some of the things to confront me so much that he says about something I like that I can't unhear it, you know, which has happened yeah, before. Yeah. It's I, happened I, to me too. Yeah, I like the videos. I think they're pretty cool. Um I always have like this tiny little music critic like not of myself, but literally like Fantano. If I'm making a song, I'll do something. I'm like, I could see Fantano just shitting on this idea, <laughs> like really we should, quick. We should make a collaboration album of just ideas that he can shit on. <laughs> yeah, like just, just take all his that out of us. Yeah, take all like find all his not good reviews and just find every <laughs> aspect that he complained about and just make it into one thing. But yeah. Fantano. Fantano's surprisingly like I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast or not but Fantano has somehow managed to help me get better I don't know how because it's all subjective but I've literally noticed it there's some there's some stuff I would have a bad habit of doing and my friends would point it out they're like you got to stop doing this 
And I would hear Fantano say it as well. And I'm like, all right, if he's saying it and all my friends are saying, I should probably work on this. Yeah, I, I think it's important to have those people around where it's like, sure, you're the artist and you get the final say, but like maybe some other people have a pretty good perspective exactly. on what you're doing as well. Yeah, it's important to... I my biggest fear is just being surrounded by yes men because that's when everything goes to shit yeah. <laughs> like yes your attitude goes to shit your music goes to shit your relationships everything goes bad like you need those people that are going to check you even if it's not involving a song like that are just going to be like hey man um i don't know if i really like what you're doing here i don't mm-hmm. but i i think this is how we can help you it's very healthy yeah you need it and that's how like i think all of my favorite songs of mine were from times when i'd show a version to someone they're like i like the idea but maybe you should scrap this verse or maybe you should change this instrumental bit because it's a little bit jarring totally all the time like thank god i just took that criticism and went with it because that yes. it, i'll listen back to the old version I'm like oh my gosh i can't believe I, I was okay with this yeah that's that's the story of the ep man that's with um that's with yuki because i i mean look I, I i loved what i was making i thought it was great I, it did sound good but like i probably could have released it but i just thought ugh, like why waste this opportunity to bring it to someone who could add a new flair to it and probably just make it better so i bought it to, to yuki and that's what he did and sure it's not as like emotionally pleasant as going you know what my idea was was really good and that's what i'm rolling with but who cares because the the ep came out so much better you know and and he was very gracious with his time and efforts and stuff and really really putting a lot into it um and yeah, I, that that side of things is so important, and admittedly, it's something that for a while I wasn't into because I was so scared of losing, like the reason as to why I was making this song or, or yep. getting lost in someone else's ideas. But it's, it's about making the music good, you know. No, and exactly. What's the point in having all these people around you if you're not going to feed off each other? Yeah, seriously. So. I wish I wish more people would have that mindset um, because, yeah, it can be dangerous if you're a little like it's like you were saying, like, of course, there's such an emotional attachment to Mm -hmm. your ideas because it's coming from your heart in your head. Mm -hmm. And it's like these personal experiences and you were working on it alone in like a room at one point just by yourself. Then you are kind of naked going to this person. Totally criticizing your idea that had just this intention of love so sometimes it can just leave this bitter taste in your mouth but mm-hmm. learning to learn to manage that ego a little bit is super super helpful to yourself totally at the end of the day and, and, it, and it, it it goes out into your non-musical life too you know mm-hmm. like le- just learning how to deal with just people saying things that you might not want to hear but maybe you need to hear them and also having those conversations yourself as well and being the person who's saying the thing that might be a bit unpleasant. You know, it's like, yeah. So yeah, it's cool to hear you talk about that because I think that's a real important thing. Definitely something I've learned. That's awesome. No, it it's, it's. I think, yeah, I was like you at first. I was like, nah, no one else is touching this. This, yeah. <laughs> No one is allowed. These are my ideas. But then probably... I think I just had to realize like my shit kind of stunk. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm, like, sure, I'm sure that's not true, but but uh, but see once again the the fact that you use past tense as well that probably wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you taking it to other people, and just just yeah you know, just re- realizing, just just understanding even if it's positive or negative, that or just understanding what other people think of the thing that you've made. Yeah, man, and. There's also like a flip side of it. There's some stuff you don't want to bring to that table. Like say there's some things that are little like for example, I have this song um on my latest album is called Wolfia and it's basically about this time uh 
last year when I was getting out of a relationship and I kind of realized there was just this unhealthy ego I was dealing with. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to write a song about this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was just such a personal song. I was like, this is going to be the one that I think just stays in this room till it comes out. And I'll just give it as much love as possible and be my own critic towards it. But there's some stuff that's a little bit too raw. It's kind of like maybe like like no one wants to bring a video camera into like a a meeting with a therapist. There's just certain things (laughs) that are off limits. So, yeah, yeah, again, finding that healthy balance. But totally. I I agree with that completely. It's interesting. It's um, I. I love LCD Sound System, who was actually, I got to say, one of the biggest influences on this EP. Um, and James Murphy, who is, you know, the founder, I suppose, of LCD Sound System, he said in an interview once that with with that band, it's not about it being the best ideas, it's about it being his ideas. And I thought that was really interesting because I was like, that's kind of a clear way of like a clear and I guess healthy way of holding on to that ego and going, no one's touching this because he's admitting that like, it may not be the best idea, but it is his. And that's, that's interesting because it's, it's like at the end of the day, like you got to know also when it's healthy, as you said, to just hold on to something and, and just just like own the fact that maybe maybe you should just go with your idea for the sake of it being your idea in a musical sense. Um, so it's interesting how many different artists have different ideas of that, and how you know they're all great artists, and like because you see many people working with producers and collaborating with other people, and then there's people like James Murphy. It's really interesting. It would be um, you know interesting to to hear from other artists that I know kind of like how they feel about all that stuff because it's, it's a case by case thing. Yeah. I lo- that's why I've been really enjoying doing these conversations because I never get to just have these raw moments with people like on a FaceTime call when you're distracted and you're like goofing around. But yeah. once you're kind of forced to sit down, you're like, all right, well we're sitting down. You open up these things you get to hear from artists you listen to like, Oh, okay. This is their take on it, and they're they're pretty similar to my take, or they're yeah. a little bit different. But um, it's also like a good way to segue into this song we're gonna be premiering. And I was wondering, like, what, like, how did this come? Was it one of those songs where it starts as an idea when you were alone, and it was really personal at first, and you were in your bedroom? And it was just this like demo or was it kind of a thing that started while other people were around and it was just bouncing ideas off of each other? Um, a lot of my songs start in the same way where I'll be on my own and either have the guitar or keyboard or like a piano or whatever. Um, that's usually how they start. So with this song, Maybe They Love You, I was at my mom's place just sitting at the piano. I've been listening to a lot of um, the Carpenters. And, you know, I thought, um, I just thought that songwriting was really beautiful. And a uh, lot to Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell's mm. one of my favorite songwriters of all time. Yeah, she's phenomenal. She is. Um, and I thought, man, like, I want to capture the feeling I get from listening to Joni. Um, and so I just sat down at the piano and was playing around with some kind of nice chords that I liked and some different sort of progressions and tempos and trying to feel out where's the good place to start. And it just kind of, the piano thing came first and that kind of just like, just happened. And the song went through quite a few different shapes. It, it was a very, it was always quite a long song, uh, always a very piano-based song. I took it to my friend Elroy um who's a really great artist you should check him out on on spotify or whatever you use um and and he helped me i went around to his house and recorded some stuff on his piano and he helped me conceptualize the song a little more and it was it was kind of like you know i had the initial idea then elroy kind of helped me shape that 
and then I worked with that for a while. And then for the last phase of the song, I brought it to Yuki and he helped me out with structuring and stuff. Um, and the, the the analogy he used was that it was like him um, getting a, like a spray and wipe cleaner and just like wiping the song down as opposed to completely changing it. And I really like that. That feels appropriate. Um, so yeah, it, it, it kind of, it went through a few different phases the last phase being Yuki and I working on it online together and just finishing it off. And so, yeah, this is the, the final version of Maybe They Love You. This is pretty noise.
so how long like how long did it take to make that song like was it a pretty long process or was it one of those songs that just happens within like a month it's weird because it's kind of it sounds stupid but it's it was kind of a short process and a long process so like i had written the whole song pretty quick and it came to me quite it was one of those songs that just kind of just came out you know like it it didn't take much thinking about it in terms of just writing the song um but then just the whole production side of it got very difficult for me because i you know i don't think i'm a bad producer but uh, it just wasn't sounding how I wanted it to sound, which was getting very frustrating. And um, that song was quite a personal song. It's like what we were talking about with some you just kind of want to hold on to. That was one of them, especially since the, the influences, the sonic influences were so specific that I was worried that maybe someone who I'd handed off to might not have the same influence. Therefore, it would get lost. But um yeah, I got very stuck with it, very, very stuck with it and decided that taking it to Yuki, this was probably two, three months after I had written it. I took it to Yuki and he took the drums I had played in and just put, made them like put a nicer sound, like nicer sounding drums, basically same patterns. He played around with a few like samples to throw in there, just textural things, helped me with some structural ideas just to really. And the cool thing was it all it did was just make it sound more like how I really wanted it to sound. You know, even though, sure, he probably doesn't listen to Joni Mitchell as much as I do and can't relate to the song the way I do because I wrote it. But um, man, he helped me so much. Uh, and. So yeah, it, it the song got written quick, but then it just went through quite a few different phases before it really felt final. So it's a mixture of coming very easily and and also taking a while. I would you say you're more of a a songwriter first than doing the production side first? Like, do you do mainly just the chords and the lyrics first, or do you kind of? do the drums the chords and then the lyrics and all that at the time of recording this ep definitely less of a producer although i didn't think that i definitely was um this sounds like i'm just doing a big yuki hype session and i'm trying not to make it sound like i'm overselling anything so i'm not trying to but that's how i feel (laughs) yeah um along with other people but mainly him because he is uh you know, one of his biggest strengths with him as an artist is just his production style and his knowledge, because obviously he's done some great production stuff for himself and others. Um, just working with him on the song and hearing his ideas, him verbalizing the ideas to me, helped me understand ways that I can approach production. So now I would say that I'm pretty much equal um, although I think my writing is still stronger than my producing, I, I feel far more confident in my producing now. Um, but yeah, at the time of the EP, definitely more more of just writing the whole song and then kind of seeing where it goes and guessing. That's kind of the vibe I get because your your lyrics I could tell are very important, and they don't they aren't they aren't filler like. Yeah, I could tell each like each chorus like actually matters. It's not like oh, this is a sweet melody. Let me find some decent words. Like yeah, they sound they sound specific, and mm-hmm. that's my favorite type of songwriting is me super too. specific stuff where it's like even if I don't even have any way to relate to such a specific line, I'm like some way that relates to my life because it's so specific mm-hmm. and. That's that's what I notice in your songwriting. Oh, um, cool. Well, thanks for saying yeah. that. That's I, why. Um, that's why. I, sorry, you go, go. ahead. Okay. <laughs> you go. It's, for it's it. that. It's that stop and go traffic pattern. But <laughs> yeah. um, no, that's why I wanted to ask like what you do first because I'm also very into lyrics first, and right. I kind of I write the I write the chords. 
first. I do not touch drums or anything until I have vocals all laid down. Mm-hmm. Um, because I kind of want to find ways for the words to sit at the forefront. Yeah. Rather than going crazy with the production, then I get there with all these great words I wrote down. And I'm like, shit, I'm overwhelmed now. So yeah. I think that's pretty cool hearing that from you. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because I feel like my lyrics are my weakest point because my lyrical influences are just so great. Once again, Joni Mitchell is a huge one and um, Donald Fagan of Steely Dan, mm. David Byrne, Talking Heads, just all of their lyrics are just what David I wish Byrne's I could write. ridiculous. Crazy. He's, yeah. Crazy. He, he's one of those writers, you'll listen to him say something, you're like, God damn it yeah i'm just not mature enough to be writing songs yet yeah and paul simon's another one too paul simon's lyrics are just like i listen to them and i'm just like what how do you how does that it's it seems effortless and then it's you realize it's just not um that's that's (laughs) how i am with tom york like right right yeah um yeah i'll listen to his stuff and i'll be like i don't know how the hell he just made that lineup. It's so weird, <laughs> yeah. but it somehow makes me want to cry. That's my yeah. favorite stuff. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, and this sounds like I've made it up to sound ultra cool, but um, with lyrics, I usually have a melody at the same time I come up with the instrumental stuff because I'm, I love melody. Mm-hmm. Um so it's really, really important for me. That's like the seller of the song is, is that I, I have to have a good melody. Otherwise it's just like, well, what's, what's happening. <laughs> but, um, I, I have the melody and usually the sort of phrasing of the melody. And then I'll just loop the instrumental and sit down with my mic and just gibberish words and just like say stuff, uh, with the melody I have and the rhythm that I already basically have in place for the vocals until eventually something comes out and I never think about what it means unless besides maybe a very brief acknowledgement of some of the words I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't write them down. I'll just record it line by line or as much as I can remember in one go. And then I'll listen back to maybe it to each take or each section or even just the whole song and go, what am I, saying and then i'll usually figure out i mean sometimes it i still just won't figure out what i'm saying and i feel like i've just cheated my way into making lyrics sound kind of cool when they just mean nothing but then other times like with the song i could die again i i'm really proud of those words because i kind of just felt like i was making them up on the spot just not even writing them down and then i listened back to it and i was like oh okay i know what this is and it's just about social situations and it was me kind of opening up to myself a little bit about how sometimes even though I love talking as you've probably heard today um sometimes I just don't like being in social situations at all and they make me feel very bad yeah and you sorry you go sorry I didn't here we go again but uh (laughs) do do you find yourself struggling with any like social anxiety at times or yeah definitely um i'm very lucky that somehow i have a very generous amount of confidence um where i will either make jokes or try and be the clown in order to make that seem non-existent the anxiety but it's it's there it's there that's wild you're that i (laughs) just this is gonna get kind of deep for a second but i just uh I was talking to my counselor last week and yeah. uh, one of my biggest things, um, my biggest struggles lately is anxiety mm-hmm. and social anxiety. And yeah, that's that's one of my things he told me. He's like, one of your comforting things you do for yourself is you use like awkward humor. So yeah. it takes the attention off of like, if you are uncomfortable, because then people don't think you're uncomfortable if you're totally. making jokes. Yeah, man. I relate to that a lot. That's why it's a great tool. It's a great tool. Um, But, you know, I'm aware that there's a lot of people out there who have a far more real social anxiety than I do. It's pretty mild, but it's it's there. Um, It's there, but it's not like going to stop me from from leaving the house all the time, you know. Um, But yeah, 
I think I've noticed uh, there's always a trend of really creative people struggling with anxiety because I think it's um, my my it's another great loop around of what I learned at my counselor. Maybe this could help other people, but he was saying uh, the reason creative people have this ang- this anxious side to them is because we're really good at troubleshooting mm-hmm. so which like to kind of put into context would be like me and you with music like all we're doing at the end of the day is we're making a song and we're figuring out how do we fix this from being bad because yeah. it doesn't start off phenomenal you're fixing it as you mm-hmm. go you're troubleshooting it yeah and since our minds are so they're moving so fast in this creative way and everything's kind of flying. We don't know when to shut that off in real life. So, so uh, we're troubleshooting situations all the time and we don't know when to shut it off. So like the social anxiety for me is like, if I'm in public, what I'm doing is, is my, is my posture showing that I'm not confident. (laughs) I'm literally thinking that and I'm going, Oh, if I don't smile correctly at this person, does that person think I'm a dick? Like, mm-hmm. yep. And it, and then you start working yourself up, and then you get this that awful anxious feeling that everybody dreads. But yeah, uh, no. Hey, I well, think... maybe they love you, and that, that's that's what that song's about, man. As well, it's just like stop overthinking it. You know, maybe these people do. Maybe they appreciate you. Like, maybe this person doesn't hate you. Or, you know, whatever it's like, because that's another thing is just worrying, you know, like it's, for the most part, I don't really care what people think about me that much, you know, like I'll still be myself through and through. But there's, I still think with like, with, I I guess everyone or most people, that there's always going to be that thing that's like, ah, shit, I hope that person doesn't hate me. Or like, you know, I hope that person, this or that. Um, And that's, that's what the maybe they love you words are about because um, it's just kind of like well you got to remind yourself every now and then that maybe it's not that bad and maybe a lot of it's in your head and and that, that's that's such an interesting point about the troubleshooting thing because I've, I've never made that connection um but that makes a lot of sense and and i also i too find myself just like uh just just thinking so much all the time and not even in a, in a cool way like i'm not thinking about important stuff i'm just thinking and it's just not that i want to stop because i love being able to think but uh it's just like sometimes you just wish you could it it seems as though a lot of other people seem to just relax a little bit and 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 not worry about the sort of things that you or or i would would worry about and um that seems so nice (laughs) but um, it does that's a it's a really interesting explanation with the with the troubleshooting thing because it's yeah. it's the same in music you know you're always thinking with about it you're always trying to think of whether it is good or bad or how this works with that or whatever so putting that mentality into day-to-day situations is probably fairly unhealthy and tricky so that's comforting to hear too that that that's what that line came from maybe yeah. like um when i listen to the song now it'll be listened to in a different context because i already loved the song mm-hmm. and i already got it had this emotional potent feeling to it yeah um and i could tell it was the more emotional song of the three mm-hmm. but now listening to it now that gives it that extra little bit where i'm it'll really probably connect with me a lot i hope so, so i hope so yeah man that would be cool uh, i think this was a phenomenal conversation me too um, me too was... thank you so much for talking to me and i gotta say um it's cool for me man i didn't get i didn't say it much because i'm so busy thinking about myself <laughs> but um ah <laughs> uh, i your music's so sick and you know j- just to know that um i can jump on a call with you and have a conversation with you is really cool and to know that someone like you would want to do that with me is really really cool for me um you know it it means a lot and uh it means a lot when someone who isn't a good artist wants to hang out (laughs) but when someone is a really good artist and they want to hear about my stuff that's so nice so 
thank you so much. Nah, it's it's equal, man. I I'm surprised you even listen to my music. Like to me, that's a new thing. I had no. I was like, there's no way you probably listen to my stuff. I was, you know, it's just like I just always assume. I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna always assume people don't listen. So once you do hear people. (laughs) Once you hear people like say, "Oh, I listened to this and I liked it," it's just like ten times better. So yeah. thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. No problem. Maybe they love you. The EP coming out soon. What's this? What's the? Do you want to announce the date yet, or do you want to play it safe? I'll say. Just... I'll say August. I'm gonna say August. August. I do. Okay. I do have a date, but you never know. Yeah, you never know what could happen. Yeah. All right, man. Well, th- again, I appreciate it, and everybody go. Get ready for that EP and stream Thorrington's <laughs> music right now on Spotify. Thank you very much. From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit penfed.org slash powercash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now, a low interest rate on everyday purchases, and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together, we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash goldcard. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.